0: Podcast Revolution Network presents
1: The Way
2: Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Way with Noah. I know it's been a long time. I shouldn't have left you without some dope interviews to listen to, listen to, listen to. But I'm back. Uh, thank you, guys, for who asked me, like, hey, you when are we going to get a new podcast episode? Appreciate all the love and support. I know some folks are kind of like, mm, you act kind of funny style on social. But if you've been paying close attention, I am consistently and absolutely the same person that I have always been and was bred to be. Um, I, you know, the past three months has been an interesting transition, you know, taking on. Working with a really impactful, high um, capacity, very engaging uh, movement-based organization in, in Georgia, there's a lot of work, a lot of infrastructure, a lot that is always going on. And being a mom to two teenagers, I'm tired sometimes, y'all, but I feel... Like, we have a good thing going on here at The Way of Fanoa, and with your support, we've been continuing to make connections, and this this episode um, is really about, you know, giving voice to our movements and learning more about the good work that people are doing. I try to do that um, across multiple conversations. It's a regular thing. But the work I've been doing the past three months full-time, which is, you know, a blessing in itself— has really helped me kind of reshape and understand. We talked a while back about movement journalism. Shout out to Project South, which is based here in Atlanta, um, as well as the work from from outlets like Scalawag, which is a southern regional progressive outlet, um, around this concept of movement-based journalism and really thinking about what does it mean to lift up spaces and voices from our movement there's a lot of talk these days particularly in this presidential election cycle for multiple candidates and supporters about building a grassroots movement blah blah blah. Well, movements are not beholden to any particular candidate campaign or election cycle movements are ever-changing ever-growing always present things spaces i i don't know but it's but there's so much happening out here so i was really excited to be able to talk to Um, organizers with LITS um, and about their youth mandate for presidential candidates. And it's something, they're based in Milwaukee, so it's similar uh, to what they had unveiled with the Milwaukee School Board. Um, And the goal is to permanently dismantle the school, prison, and deportation pipeline. And uh, the link in the description, you can download the full, full mandate, show them support and love on social media, and then also learn more about how your organization can sign on if you do have an organization, or if you know of organizations that should connect and could connect with these amazing youth-led organizers. And LIT is an organization that is led by folks who are under 30. Um, and one of the organizers I talked to was actually in high school, which is having high school age, early college age kids, teenagers. It's always amazing to me to see when kids step up um, and get involved and engage in what they're passionate about. Uh, just real quick, wanted to also give a shout out because um, we had this conversation two days ago. Um, and you guys know I've had a lot over the years going back and forth with being able to have help with editing and like other things. And, you know, it's hard when you were scrappy, you know, one stop shop operation, which is why I appreciate the support through Patreon and other donations that people are able to make. If you would like to support this is one of the PBS moments. Uh, hit me up on Patreon.com slash The Way of Fanoa. Um, when that patreon was set up, it was set up with like a whole team and other folks in mind. Uh, so definitely restructuring like the setup, but that takes time. And when you're actually out here doing, it's sometimes hard to pay attention to some of the stuff on the back end. So again, appreciate all the support. But wanted to take a moment right now to recognize one CTU is Chicago Teachers Union is t- snatching edges. In taking names, and doing all the things. And it's been amazing as a CPA, a former CP Chicago Public School student. Um, I graduated from Kenwood Academy on the south side in 1999. Yes, I'm putting my age out there. Um, and I just think that what is happening right now and what they're fighting for in Chicago um, today is, you know, wear red in solidarity. I got my red on. Wear red in solidarity. Um, put it in, hashtag put it in writing. Hashtag red for ed. Hashtags CTU, SEIU, strike, all the hashtags. Um, But it's just amazing to watch community and people come together. I was talking with a friend of mine who has kids who actually go to our old high school um, about this. And they were just like the way this person is not like super political. They pay attention some. Right. But they were just like the way the mayor is playing. You think we're going to turn against the union? I mean, they actually make sense. And we got to have somebody who cares about the kids. And so seeing the support, similar as we've seen with the many other teacher strikes that we've seen over the past, like, two years, has really warmed my heart. Um, I juxtapose what's happening in Chicago with video and clips I just saw of what happened, I think, yesterday in Oakland um, with police, uh, with police beating with batons, police beating with batons, parents And teachers, elementary school parents and teachers and supporters who were protesting at a meeting um, the closure of, I think it's between 2024 or something like that, and 36 public schools. And we know the devastation for our communities um, when schools are closed, the disruption to our children. When I worked with um, my first job out of law school was doing public education law and policy. And one of and public housing, public education, public housing, law and policy. And one of my first one of my big main project was looking at, you know, what did it mean with these new read public housing redevelopments and all this, you know, brouhaha. This is 10 years ago, with the plan for transformation in Chicago. And, you know, you had different units and phases of development coming back on. And like, what did it mean to have these public housing redevelopments? Um, in these areas and there wasn't the same attention given to schools so like I had this schools and transformation community project looking at what is whole school change look like, right? And so part of that project was I had to first document what happened to the schools in these communities and when I documented, you know, the school closures, particularly when you talk about the State Way, if anyone's from Chicago, y'all know the State Way Corridor, where former State Way Gardens and Robert Taylor Homes used to be, there were approximately, I think it was 10 schools or so, between 9 and 11, something like that. It's been 10 years since I did this research, y'all, so bear with me. But it was approximately 10 schools, I would say, that service um, several thousand families within this corridor. Um, so it's running like 37th or 39th or so on State Street, all the way down to about 51st, 57th. Second Street, um, you know, approximately. Uh, but like when I did the mapping, when I did, when I pulled up the old school board and then went and looked at the schools, like the idea allegedly that was sold, you know, in terms of these school closures, turnarounds, transformations, et cetera, these school closures in particular were they were removing kids from lower performing schools and sending them to quote unquote better schools. However, better is relative because if you have a school that's performing at 33% and you're taking the kids from a 33% performing school to a 46% performing school okay that's technically numerically better but you still have a school that's strapped with resources that's already struggling with the students it's providing for you're bringing in students that have you know issues surrounding possible mobility and displacement like so many other concerns and you're still not giving the teachers the schools the resources and the families that are needed to for these children to do better, right? My kids have always supposedly gone to quote-unquote better schools, and we've still struggled. Even me, as an educated parent, I have struggled to make sure that my kids get the resources and tools they need. So I can only imagine when we're talking about families coming out of public housing, families coming out of, you know, some other Working class spaces where people don't like. I can throw around like, well, I'm a lawyer, and that makes people straighten up and listen a little bit more. But I shouldn't have to do that, right? And my kids shouldn't get extra attention or, or or special. And it don't always work because it didn't keep my son out of you know, uh, uh, uh the alternative school system. <laughs> I mean, it don't it don't matter when you whether when you black. It don't matter which parents do. But I say all that to say that. We have a crisis um, and, and those who work in education policy and organize around education, they know this. They know this very well, this is their lifeblood, this is the work that they've been doing, and they're, they're fighting really hard. And I love to see the connections that people are making across not just raising wages and protecting the benefits of teacher, which is absolutely a valuable cause, but also connecting it directly to the other issues that we're seeing that we know that wrap around and affect the community within the school and around the school and the parents and families and teachers and staff all alike. And so I appreciate the work that's being done. I'm absolutely, I was horrified watching clips from Oakland. I don't care what the justification or rationalization is. That was horrific. And yes, we know about police and the way police behave. I was just horrified to see that happening um, to parents and teachers. Uh, Again, not that it should happen to anyone else, but that was just a terrifying scene to watch. I'm very sorry to bother you. So um, I... I was really moved by this conversation I had with the folks from lit. Um, You know, I've gone through the issues that I've gone through with my son over the past year in terms of really longer than that, in terms of getting him actual resources. That's the other side, right? Because then if you start throwing around, well, I'm a lawyer or wear this, then it's like, Oh, you're privileged. So there's no excuse. Look, kids need resources. Kids need supports. We need to have You know, counselors and social workers actually working with kids and helping them through the distressing moments and occurrences that happen in school versus just automatically putting them in the system, automatically having, you know, I remember the first time my son got in trouble and it was a school, there was an officer in the room, the school resource officer, and they were like, well, he wouldn't respond to us, whatever. And I was like, that's because I've told my son to never speak to cops when I'm not present. I mean, this is part of the trap that we have with what's happening with school. When we we think about kids and their due process rights and the criminalization of school discipline, there's so much that is so wrong on so many different levels of what is happening. And we don't pay nearly enough attention to it until something happens and we all get outraged. So um, please engage with the materials that are in this youth mandate from Lit. Um, I'm really proud of the work that is being done and look forward to seeing more of what they are doing. They did have a major victory um, the other night. So I'm kind of glad my episode was delayed a little bit. Uh, they did have a major victory the day we the, the night before we spoke. Oh, no, the night we spoke the next day. So we spoke on Monday. On Tuesday, there was a school board. There was a big school board meeting. Young people showed up high school students, teachers, supporters showed up and gave testimony. They were trying to, um, the, the, the Minneapolis uh, public school, the school board was trying to insert a new style of, I think it was more like that airport style x-ray machines. And it spends upwards of over $200,000 on the, on, on such equipment when that $200,000 could be reinvested into the schools to actually work with kids and actually benefit them. Right. Um, what we need to see happening and, and it's beautiful to see the way the community in Minneapolis has come together with these organizers and putting, you know, students of color at the center of this work. So I'm going to kick it over to this episode and let y'all hear from Cindy and who's organizing director at lit and from Leslie, who is a high school organizer with lit and take it from there, but please lift up support. And we, there's so much that's happening. We're so wrapped up in the presidential election cycle and rightfully so I understand, but there's a lot happening at the state and local level that absolutely require our same vigor, contributions, resources, and support because it doesn't matter if we get the perfect progressive in as president. One, there's no such thing as a perfect progressive, right? No matter who you prefer, nobody's perfect. However, If we don't actually get our act together at the state and local level, it don't matter how great our our federal system is. We will still continue to be screwed Um, every day. Our children will still continue to be targeted and undermined and limited in their ability to be successful and, and healthy, happy human beings. Like we have a lot at stake. So check this out. Please like share subscribe hit me up on Patreon a dollar or two or three goes a long way to getting your girl consistent with content and back support and editing. There's all types of tips uh, uh, tools out here that make it happen but I am not a white dude bro with studio access so it's always a struggle. Anyway appreciate y'all lots definitely hit up lit and check them out peace. Right. Awesome. So, greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me for another edition of The Way of Fanoa. I am always excited because I talk to good people who are doing good work. And today I'm talking to two amazing people doing amazing work. Um, I have two folks with me from Leaders Igniting Transformation, also known as Lit, out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Shout out to that Midwest love right there. Um, so first up with me is Leslie, who is in a, a junior in high school, y'all, um, in Milwaukee, and LIT is a youth of color-led organization that works to build homegrown leadership, expanding access and opportunity, and promote an equitable society by engaging and organizing the leadership of young people, which we most definitely need. And I am joined also by Cindy Trujillo-Tana is that correct
1: yeah that's pretty good
2: awesome <laughs> <laughs> um let's organizing record. thank you thank you thank you for all that you are doing um uh, cindy works closely with the youth leaders from across their their organizations network um and we also are going to be talking tonight about something that's really cool uh this national youth mandate and we're going to get into that a little bit to just find out a little bit more about what's going on But LIT has been doing some amazing work, and we're going to hear more about it, you know, actively fighting not only the school-to-prison pipeline, because we talk a lot about the school-to-prison pipeline, but we actually do not often hear this other piece, the school-to-prison and deportation pipeline, because as we know, you know, many of the issues that we're seeing um, within the criminal justice system or injustice system, it's paralleled and our deportation system, right? There, there, there are systemic injustices and abuses and issues that cross the lines and intersect in many ways, too. So thank you both for joining me this, this afternoon.
1: Thank you. We're super excited.
2: No, I'm super excited. Right. So can you just talk to me a little bit about LIT, the work y'all have been doing, and then we can go into um, the youth mandate.
1: Yeah, um, so Leaders Igniting Transformation officially started in 2018. Um, so we're we're still quite new, but the work that we've been able to do since we started has been great. And um, I think that the amount of work that we've done in such little time um, has been has like really set the fire to this. Like there are many organizations in Milwaukee um that are doing amazing work but uh i think when you have a group of uh young people because none of my co-workers are over the age of 30. um and so you have like all these young people um or younger adults uh of color who come from the communities in which we're trying to make a change like we understand the issues firsthand like the work is personal to us Um, so The relationships that we build with young people have been like very organic, Um, and I think I'm I'm like I'm really I'm very privileged to um, work with a team that genuinely believes in the liberation of our people um, and are committed to this work. Um, So we have been working with uh, young people ages like thirteen to. Um, 25 to uplift their voices, to help them develop their leadership skills, um, and prepare them to be, uh, you know, the next generation of leaders that um, our city, that our state, and that this country needs. Um, so we've we've had some great victories. Uh, I would say starting like last fall, um, a lot of the work that we did, the canvassing. Uh, some dope events and other work that we did we were able to get a new governor and finally um, remove a governor who was in power for like eight years and did so much damage to um, our communities Um, so be like seeing him go away thanks to the work that organizations like ours that you know people on the ground did um, it was it was an amazing feeling And uh, earlier this spring, we also got um, eight out of the nine school board candidates to uh, endorse our Youth Power Agenda, which is very similar to the presidential mandate. Um, And five of them currently, who are currently sitting on the board, are people who endorse our Youth Power Agenda. And in May, so just like a month and a half after uh, the school board election, we were able to divest $600,000 from the um, policing budget and reinvesting that into mental health resources for students, uh, which has been amazing and like a great victory in our, um, you know, first real mm-hmm.
2: year inside of schools.
1: Wow.
2: So a question about that. So the divest from the policing, budget, so is it for like policing in terms of like police in schools or just overall in general Uh, police in schools wow that's that's a whole nother i mean that's a part of this conversation though but that is like one of my pet peeves (laughs) um just how we've had this hyper this increase in influx of having police in schools and the amount of money and resources that is spent on that and just criminalizing like infractions that when i was when i was a kid now, as Leslie's age, would have been just detention or go see the dean of students type of thing or the, the, the actual assistant principal handle discipline, which happens, I guess, in some places, depending on where you are. But we're seeing like police and schools being way too involved in the day-to-day interaction students are have, having and just regular run-of-the-mill disciplinary um, things. So, wow. That is, I think that's like super important, definitely needs to be lifted up. So kudos, Um, great first year or so. Um, So as you're, as y'all are working and looking forward, right, thinking about like setting an eye on what it is to dismantle the school to prison pipeline, and you're talking about this youth mandate, which is similar to what you were doing with, with the school board. Can you just talk to us a little bit about like the platform that's been set out and what like, what your process even was, like, what are some of the top line, you know, issues in the mandate that we're looking at to have, um, presidential candidates specifically signing on to permanently dismantle the school-to-prison and detention, um, deportation pipeline?
1: Yeah, so the youth mandate, um, is basically, like, a platform, um, in a plan to permanently dismantle the school to prison to deportation pipeline inside of schools. And it has a list of demands around divesting from police and criminalizing infrastructure in schools, uh, restoring and strengthening the civil rights of students and ending the private takeover of schools. Um, And it specifically asks for an end to the COPS program, um, which is where like a lot of the funding for, you know, the the like criminalization of black and brown students in schools happens or is coming from, um, and then like declaring that police don't belong in schools. So this mandate was sent out to all the presidential candidates, and there have been a, a few. Um, and I don't want to go into like too many details because this this is about an issue. This is not so much about candidates, um, but there are some who understand the need for having counselors and mental health resources and you know like funding for other things that have proven to help students and help the environment in schools but we haven't had anyone like explicitly come out and say or state that police don't belong in schools and that's a very big part of this mandate. Um, You cannot say that you want to dismantle the School to present a deportation pipeline, and that you want to end the criminalization of students without realizing that cops have no place inside or within our schools
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. absolutely um, i just I just was really like when I was reading through it and just taking just a moment to even look at some of the different issues and and I appreciate what you're saying about it's not about necessarily any one particular candidate there's the overall like this is what we're laying out and this is what we need to have adopted and I appreciate you like we were just talking about having cops in schools flagging the cops program in particular I think that sometimes people don't understand or there's the rush and we heard this conversation after um after Parkland about how you know, a lot of people were like, oh, we need more cops in schools to protect kids because of possible shootings. And you had black and brown students like, whoa, 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 hold up. More cops in schools isn't necessarily safe for us. I'm dating myself, but when my senior year high school was when Columbine happened and that was the response, right? We got metal detectors and we started having more cops after that period in our schools. And it didn't necessarily make quote-unquote schools, like, quote-unquote safe for us, but it definitely gave us greater interactions with law enforcement. Um So, Leslie, uh, you are actually, you know, a young person. So, like, for you, like, let me back up. Why are you a part of Lit?
0: I'm a part of Lit because the issues and the focus around Lit affects me Mm -hmm. being a young student of color in MPS Mm -hmm. daily. And I didn't really have a platform where I would be able to be heard. So when I heard of Lit and got educated with what Lit does, it really brought me in because... I never really got to speak on the issues that lit a, that lit focus on. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So like when we're talking about like, you know, uh, uh, ending the school to prison and deportation pipeline or dismantling it and also like just this idea that we're shifting resources away from increased police in schools, but for more resources around mental health and just counselors. Um, what does that, what does that mean to you as a student that that is a focus that people are pushing for that you're a part of pushing for? To see
0: that people are more focused on metal detectors and officers rather than your education your well-being and your mental health is—it's sad and it like it personally makes me angry, and that's what motivates me to speak on the topic as well. Um, it's very un-unmotivating. Like it doesn't make it doesn't make me a very motivated student knowing that teachers and people in general who support this would rather see you fail than succeed especially at such a young age like what what did I do wrong that I don't deserve to get get treated as a normal human being Mm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: do you do you feel that like from your experience or just talking to your friends or other youth organizers that you're working with that you know black and brown students you know face like different consequences or having you know more negative interactions with police um
0: yeah yeah. yes it's just a very easy question to answer especially since i see it so often Mm -hmm. happen often um I've personally seen in my short time attending my school many arrests for unnecessary things or even the fact where a student was um, detained. Well, yeah, the student was um, put in custody with the cops for something that was done to him by a white teacher and the white teacher didn't. He just got to walk away so it's like how come the student has to be in a room talking to the cops and the teacher just moves on with his day when he caused the issue so it's just like things like that that you that i see happening very often as well as like you said the unnecessary punishments and just the comparison of students of color and how serious their punishments are, the punishments that their white peers did. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so what? What if you wanted to tell folks, like, tell the presidential candidates? I don't know that any of them will. I don't know if any of them will listen or not, but some of their staff may. Um, what is it? You know, the takeaway message that you want for folks? You know, from to to hear from you and your fellow youth organizers about. You know this issue about your youth mandate like what do you want people to like know is the thing and why they must act
0: okay um you said why what would i say to them and why- yeah
2: like what would you say to like these candidates or their staff or people who are supporting them what would you say to folks as to why they need to support the youth mandate and and, and actually make this happen? I think it's very simple to me because
0: it's like the youth is the future. Like I like this and the youth is like should be the main focus now just because we're like. really smart and what the color of our skin is, then it's just a win-win in both hands. There's no need for students to not want to go to school because of the rules that you're putting and setting in that building. You should want that school to be welcoming for the students, for them to succeed and to move on and have successful careers. That's how I see it. and just trying to understand as well why you, why the, not just putting a bandaid over the issue and trying to set plans, but actually going into depth about the issue and figuring out why the issue is an issue and what is causing it and what they can do in their power to stop the issue, but with actual, plants that aren't harmful to one side and successful to the other side. Yeah, that's kind of what I was to say.
2: I, I appreciate that. Um, and then what would you say to other youth like you who are, are, are seeing these issues around them in their school, but like they don't really know, like, or they don't feel like anybody cares or is even listening to them.
0: I think what I personally had to do was there's I feel like or personally in my case, there's always that one staff that you probably agrees with you and just starting the conversation and not being afraid to have your voice heard. Cause it might not be there that platform might not be there for you, but if you look and even create that platform yourself, your voice is very impactful and will make a change, whether it's big or small changes are for the better. Yeah. But just don't be afraid to have your voice heard and really look for that platform to have your voice heard. hmm hmm hmm
2: yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's, that's really, I think sometimes, you know, like adults, we might, we might tell kids like, or youth, we might be like, Hey, yeah, use your voice to go talk to them. But I think it's also really helpful to hear it from your peers, um, like what they're doing and what they're going through and how they're getting involved. How did you get involved with Lit? Um, I got involved with Lit
0: because of my community school coordinator, Mr. Fortis. Mm. He invited me to one of the sessions that Lamont one of the staff with Lit was gonna have and that's when he was talking to me about Lit and the issues such as like the school to prison pipeline I think it was the main one that really caught my eye mm-hmm. just of how use of how I was used to seeing it on the daily when I went to school so yeah they really just stuck with me and really just I don't know, just created something in me where I just wanted to keep talking. Mm-hmm. And, having- mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: and how do you balance, like, the organizing, your commitment with, like, your school and other activities? Um, school, just make a way? <laughs>
0: yeah. I'm not, very, like, I'm not going to toot my own heart. I'm not that very busy of a person, so just make it find a way to
2: fit in my schedule is very easy uh-huh okay <laughs> well i mean no it's still like you might say you're not very busy of a person but you still could be choosing to do as a young person a lot of different things with your time including playing video games nothing that there's anything wrong with playing video games folks but or that you can't organize and play video games but i was just curious you know um being engaged is it seems like it's more manageable even with your schoolwork and other activities possibly than a lot of people might think
0: yeah yeah well I don't really get that much schoolwork, and um yeah like I said I just think I am so dedicated to the lit. it's like very is very easy for me to fit around my schedule
2: mm-hmm. yeah very cool. Do you have any other thoughts you want to share with with my with my listeners about your organizing lit, the youth mandate that y'all have developed?
0: I think I said all that I have to say.
2: But thank you. Absolutely, and did really well. Thank you. Thank you. Um. Sandy, just a follow up for you about the. Just wanted to circle back for a second, um, and thank you so much, Leslie, for sharing. Yeah. Uh, just want to circle back. These guidelines. Uh, can you just talk to me a little bit about these guidelines in the Youth Mandate? You know, the first is fund education, not incarceration, restore and strengthen the civil rights of students, and then uplift public education in the private takeover of schools. Oh, end. Sorry, y'all. End the private takeover schools
1: yeah so it's i mean it's pretty simple um you you can't set up students of color for success when you are choosing to fund their criminalization over the things that they actually need um and like the civil rights of students um earlier we talked about you know like student voice and Student voice does not sound very intimidating to a lot of people, Um, but uh, oftentimes there will be adults who want to censor uh, what students have to say, and that's, you know, you can't, you're not really uplifting student voice if you're going to like water down their message or pick and choose who you want to listen to. there are things that are hard to, you know, admit or or listen to, or there may be disagreements. But uh, we need to be uplifting the voices of students who are marginalized, who are closer to the issue, because they are also the ones that are closest to the solutions. Um, and then, like, you know, we've seen the takeover of schools and places like. Um, Louisiana, you know, especially after the um, the hurricane and Mm -hmm. it's it's spread out to other states. Um, And when that happens, we know that one students lose even more rights. Um, They are like educated um, or like they're made to believe certain things and um, and institutions like that that aren't public, uh, their rights aren't being um, respected. They um, aren't necessarily having access to, you know, a variety of things that they should have access to. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And uh, they are basically being run by a lot of people who don't look like them, who have um, no personal connection to them, um, and are being aren't being held accountable
2: yeah definitely and thank you for pushing and driving home again these these three you know guide that y'all have and everyone check the episode description for the actual link to the mandate so you can read it for yourself also check out you know social media I have um, tweeted this out by the time you're listening to this as well um, and also make sure y'all follow it online. Check them out on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram because, you know, the youth are leading the way in helping us get our our stuff together. Because, I mean, just all this conversation and happening in this document about divesting federal funds from police and criminalizing infrastructure in schools, I, I mean, it's getting to everything tying in not just police and schools, the 1033 program, but also abolishing ICE and cooperation between immigration officials in school, which we didn't specifically talk about, but I wasn't sure if either one of you had like, a, 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 like any thoughts of like what people really need to understand, because we have not really talked enough, I don't think people really consider the deportation aspect of dismantling the school to prison pipeline.
1: Exactly, and that's something that I'm, uh, is part of my plan in the next year or so uh, expanding our own report of, um, you know, our like dismantling Milwaukee's school to prison pipeline and adding the deportation piece to it because a lot of a lot of folks understand the school to prison pipeline as an issue that um, only affects a certain group of young people when it doesn't. And then undocumented people themselves or, or like people in the immigrant community, not only undocumented folks, um, others as well, don't understand how their status can be uh, like a factor in all of this. Um, they don't know that as a resident, you can lose your residency and be deported for offenses that other people would serve maybe a day in jail for. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they they say, obviously, like, they understand that ICE is a problem and, um we don't want them in our schools, in our communities, but they don't understand that police is a pipeline to ICE. Um, and you know, we—it's an issue that has affected me personally. Um, but of course, like I'm also like very educated on the issue. I did work um, on immigrant rights campaigns, so I understand it very well. But I've realized that um, it's very uncommon for. People to make the connection between the school to prison pipeline and school to prison and deportation pipeline. Um, so yeah it'll be something that I'm gonna work on and hopefully it gets a lot of traction and I'm able to educate as many people young people on it um, and hopefully it gets it gets shared um, and we build even more solidarity between uh, you know different um, communities of color.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I really do appreciate you you flagging that because I don't I do not think enough of us make the connection. Abolish ICE has been a conversation that people have taken hold, and for folks who are doing work around like 287G program, that's the cooperation with local law enforcement and ICE. You know, there is some I guess thought around that generally about law enforcement being you know an entry point to interactions with ICE. I don't know how many of us have really thought about what that means in terms of kids in school and how we have in- increased police interaction with Black and Brown students and what that can be mean. What that can mean on the deportation and potentially. So I definitely appreciate that that aspect and real comprehensive approach to school to prison pipeline that definitely includes that deportation connection because it's it's real. Um, and again, another area where we need to have youth lead us and also be you know organizing and and we need to be listening. So great. Well, I mean, I appreciate y'all for this template, this 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 mandate, these guidelines because I really think that even you know, even though this this the, the focus is just aiming it towards um, you know, the presidential candidates, I mean, I really think that this is just a useful tool for, for a lot of different folks to, to, to really follow. And I'm, I'm so impressed to see the collaborative effort and all the different groups um, that have also signed on in support. Um, y'all are pretty amazing uh, to only have been doing this for a year as your collective underlit. But damn, y'all are awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this is a good. I appreciate y'all so much. Thank you for, for chiming in. I mean, Cindy, is there anything else that you think that people need to know or 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 want to share that I may not have asked about.
1: Um. Yeah, I just want to once again like reiterate the part about uplifting student voice mm-hmm. um, in this work. I like as a person, I, I'm 25 years old myself, um, so I'm an adult, but I am a younger adult, and one of the struggles that I I have is. Is typically with adultier um, adults, here, adults uh, who, you know, often think that because I myself don't have kids, or because you know, uh, young people are young, that their opinions or that their life experiences either don't matter or that mm-hmm. they're, and that's that's not true. We need to stop thinking that living years of misery or because this is how it's always been or whatnot that young people aren't the experts of their lives because,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we need to listen to them. Like young people have always led the revolution. They've always been more like radical and optimistic. Um, and we need to let them move. Um, and as adults, we need to reflect and learn a lot of the things that we've grown up uh, seeing or believing and, um, really challenge ourselves to change our own way of thinking because, um, clearly it hasn't been like super, um, helpful and, and Mm -hmm. uh, but we need to trust that young people can do this and that they will do it better than we did.
2: Oh absolutely and I appreciate you for noting that and even for lifting up that you know just because you're younger you might not have kids it doesn't mean you don't know. I would also add that you're closer to their age like current students right now and the way like that's another insight right like because yes you have the experience in years that you have now post being out of high school but at the same time like what my reality was coming out of high school in the late nineties is very different than what it is now. And someone your age may have a little bit more of an understanding of even how schools are operating, right? Like, like what's really be, I mean, and even it's been changed probably since you've been in high school too, but I I, I really actually appreciate what you just said about letting, I mean, you've Leslie own this sis, own this youth, are subject matter experts of their own experience right like you know their surrounding like the kids know what's up and we do I, I i absolutely agree with you we do need to to listen i've been impressed when i've seen younger folks stepping up and being involved not because it's like oh wow look at this unicorn but that there are so many kids just need to know that that youth just need to know that they that we support them we believe in them and that they can do it and so leslie I'm so, even though this is over a computer, maybe I'll make it to Milwaukee someday and get to kick it with y'all. But like, you know, definitely really impressed and excited for the work that y'all are doing as a collective and that, you know, Leslie, you and your other peers who are still in high school are doing individually as well. Because, I mean, absolutely correct that we need to start trusting more young people who are in these fights and in these spaces to lead. I've been super impressed seeing, you know, young folks who have been leading in Chicago, right? Around like you no know, cop academy and things like that. The Midwest is dope, y'all. Not just because I went to high school and we kind of in Chicago, but the Midwest is <laughs> dope and there's a lot of amazing organizing happening. And thank you so much for lifting that up about how we do need to listen to youth, how we need to let folks lead on their experience and where they've been. And yes, some of us may have been around a block a couple of times, so we might know some tips and tricks to the trade, but that doesn't mean that we can't learn stuff too. So I find myself learning stuff from people much younger than me all the time. So I appreciate you for lifting up that point.
0: Thank you. Thank you.